It's time for Dodger baseball. The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Off the Air Podcast. Emmanuel Barbari joined by my man Jackson Heil. This week, it's a very interesting guest, Mike Yam, and interesting because he's our first guest to hop on the podcast right after landing a new gig. New host at NFL Network and Jackson, someone whose versatility knows no bounds, and he's had a very, very successful career. You said it. I mean, his versatility is all over the place. I mean, he's done radio for Sirius, NBA Network, the worldwide leader at ESPN, and obviously the Pac-12 before getting that new gig at NFL Network. I'm really excited to talk to him and just talk to him about how he's gotten to where he has been so far in his career because it's such a unique story. And every story is like that in terms of you get there in different paths, but his especially is very unique, and I'm excited to hear about it. And a unique perspective, because if you're listening anywhere you are, it's been a difficult year, regardless of where you are. You've had to go through some sort of challenge in the year 2020. And Mike, someone who was with the network for almost a decade and lost his job and had to rely on some very special people and eventually get to that to that promised land, that new gig. And he was part of the launch at Pac-12, too. Like You could say it, it was almost a decade he was there. I mean he was basically the Pac-12 network for a long time. (laughs) And to enter a situation where you really get let go of your job, not because of your performance, but because of financial difficulties, which are obviously prominent now in 2020 because of this pandemic, it sucks. There's no other way to put it. And he was able to face adversity and we got to, we're getting to get to ask him about it too. So I'm excited to hear just about everything that he's been able to go through and everything that lies ahead in the future for him as well. So we'll ask him about all that and a lot more. But first, let's learn a little bit more about this week's guest, Mike Yam. This week on Off the Air, Michael Yam. A 2003 Fordham graduate, Michael served as sports manager and a play-by-play broadcaster for numerous Rams athletic programs, including basketball, football, and baseball while also hosting WFUV's one-on-one. After graduating, Yam joined Sirius XM Radio, working as a studio host for the Mike and Murray Show, Full Court Press NBA, and the Phil Jackson Show. In 2008, Michael became an anchor at ESPN, hosting College Football Live, College Basketball Live, and NBA Fast Break before transitioning to the Pac-12 Network, where he was a studio host for football and men's basketball. Currently, Yam is in his first year as an anchor for NFL Network. Here's the Off the Air podcast with Michael Yam. Mike, thanks for being with us. Uh, awesome to be with you guys. Anytime I hear Fordham or WFUV, like I perk up, I, I flash back to the good old days. So it's uh, a pleasure to be with you guys and I appreciate the invite. 
So, Mike, you went from the Pac-12 network to NFL network this year, and it's been a crazy year for so many people. Your journey, no different. What have the last few months been like in your mind? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, you're right. Like, I, I try to have better perspective and not just think about what's been happening in my life, because this has been a lot of people. I mean, it was it was tough. I was given a heads up back in April that uh, after basically, you know, almost nine years at Pac-12 Network that my contract wasn't going to get renewed and it was financial reasons. And, you know, I wasn't, I was surprised that was, that actually happened, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't anticipate it, but you know, as the COVID situation has sort of unfolded, you see all these networks that have been struggling financially. And it's not just our interest industry. And you guys know this. I mean, there's at, at the peak, I guess it was like almost 40 million people in our country that were dealing with unemployment. So it was, it was nerve wracking, but you know, I'd be lying if I said, I didn't lean in on relationships and friendships that I made when I was at Fordham, uh, you know, in, in different spots along the way. And I think that was, the one really telling thing about the last few months for me is one, a lot of people are willing to help. And two, relationships, they, man, they really matter. And I was extremely fortunate to find a spot at, at NFL Network. A lot of it was because of my time at ESPN. And, um, you know, I've been freelancing as well with Sirius XM Radio, which was oddly enough, kind of my first job out of college, my first real job out of college when I left Fordham. And I've been doing some really cool things with Intel Sports on a new project called TrueView, which if you're watching NFL games, you see sort of like a unique camera looks, 360 cameras. So I've been doing stuff with those guys and that's been great. And, you know, you're just trying to stay busy in a wild time. Mike, you talked about perspective and leaning people you care about the most during this process. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned about yourself going through all of this? Because obviously, like you mentioned, it's such a difficult time for you and for everyone. What's the biggest thing that you thought that you found out about yourself that you may not have known before the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually haven't really thought about that aspect of the last nine months or so, because it's just not normal, right? Like I've went through a situation where I didn't anticipate leaving a network that I was at when it launched back in 2012, I was comfortable and I liked my lifestyle in San Francisco and that gets pulled, you know, the rug gets pulled out from under you. And that's hard, man. Like that is not an easy situation. I'd be lying if I told you guys, Hey, you know, it was great. I, I, you know, my contract was up in, in August and, you know, next thing I know, a couple of weeks later, I'm, I'm at NFL network, you know, you take the 50,000 foot view of it. And I guess in some ways like that is kind of what happened, but it's a struggle, man. It was tough. The anxiety that's associated with it, the ups and downs, the uncertainty. I mean, there's still uncertainty right now. I don't know where I'm going to be living. My lease is up in, in January. I don't even know if I'm going to be in San Francisco. So, and there's a lot of life stuff that, that pops up. Um, you know, I didn't think, and, and maybe the answer to your question is I'm trying to buy some time to figure out what I've actually learned about myself, but maybe the one thing that really stands out is this ability that I didn't know that I had to at least take a step back and be okay with the unknown. You know, when I was at Fordham, guys, I, I got to campus and I thought I was pre-med. I was convinced I was going to be a pediatrician. That was my goal in life and ended up, uh, clearly it didn't work out for me uh, in that avenue, but I've always been sort of a control freak and needing to know what's next and the unknown has never been a comfortable situation for me. So I think the one thing that I've learned is maybe have a better, better outlook and just sort of kind of relax here. I mean, it's been, it's been tough and I've been freaking out at times, you know, about a lot of those uncertainties that, that I know are still ahead, but 
you know, I, I think over the last couple of weeks or so, last couple of months, I've just sort of said to myself, you know what, like, this is what it is. I can't control it. And I'm just going to try to worry about the things that I can control, which is the cheesiest line ever. It's the worst thing that anyone ever tells you. If you guys are on campus. You're going to be looking for an on-air job pretty soon after you graduate. And, uh, you know, you'll hear the, everyone will say, oh, you know, it's supposed to, it's, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I wanted to like pull my hair out when I heard stuff like that, but there was a lot of truth to it. Mike, you led us right into your time at Fordham. You graduated back in 2003, and you mentioned when you got to campus, it wasn't one of those situations where you came to campus knowing exactly that you were going to be a sports broadcaster. When did that hit you? Uh, when was that snap moment like, hey, this is what I want to do? You know, I... It's, first of all, 2003, my God. I, I mean, I'm actually, we're on Zoom doing this and I can see more white hair, the salt that's you know, kind of creeping up in that pepper and that's bothersome, but I miss it. And I can't believe it's been that long since I graduated college. It feels like yesterday I was on Arthur Avenue living in Arthur House and having pizza for breakfast on my way to FMH and, and taking some classes over there. But, you know, it's, I don't really know if there was like this light bulb moment when, before I got to Fordham, Emmanuel, like I, I want, like I said, I wanted to be a pediatrician, but there was always this kind of like this bug in the back of my head where media was somewhat interesting to me. And now there's, you know, you turn on CNN, you see Sanjay Gupta on television, but when I was growing up and you guys obviously are in Long Island. So, you know, you watch, you know, WNBC and, and WABC and, you know, they would have doctors that would do segments on the news. And I just felt like, Hey, if I, if this works out for me and, you know, I go to medical school and I become a doctor, you know, maybe that is something that I could do sort of on the side because there was an interest in it. And I'll never forget, I was in Alumni Court South. Does that dorm still exist, by the way, on campus? Yeah, I lived there my freshman year. <laughs> you did. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Uh, especially in the summer. You know, it was crazy because I, I had the Mets my junior year that summer. And you, I don't know if you guys have stayed on campus at all during the summer, but they had us in South no air conditioning. I remember I would sleep with a box fan right next to the bed on top of a chair. And that was the only way to cool off. Like I'd, I'd get home from, from Shea Stadium at the time and, and head to South and there would be a crowd of people outside of South at that point, because it was cooler outside in the summer than it was in the dorms. But um, can we get back on track here? And, and um, what was the initial question? Sorry, I got I got caught down this rabbit hole. Oh, that, that flash bulb, bulb moment or lack thereof. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, so I was in South my freshman year and one of uh, my guys on my floor, one of my buddies, he, he's dressed up in a suit and he's leaving. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what are you doing? It's like whatever time it was in the evening. And he said, oh, I'm going to go cover the Nets. Like, what, what the hell does that even mean? You're going to go and cover the Nets. And he said, oh, you know, I, I joined the radio station. We have media credentials and, you know, I have a car. So they're going to let me cover the, met, uh, the Nets. And I was like, oh, my God, that's kind of cool. Fast forward the situation with the pre-med thing didn't exactly work out for me. I loved bio. The chemistry thing was was not exactly my specialty. And I, I walked over and Bob Aarons, who I know you guys know, Bob was there and, and I signed up and I joined the radio station. And then, you know, fast forward, right? Like the assistant sports manager, and, and then you become the sports manager, you're doing updates one-on-one, you're calling games. So it was, it was the best training ground. You know, I, I'd argue it's the best training ground in the country if you want to be, you know, a sportscaster and, and it's on the short list. And there's some great programs nationally people talk about Syracuse and, and I get that and I've been on the west coast and I, I've been around and, and got to mentor some kids in Annenberg at USC and the Cronkite school at ASU but my heart's always always in the Bronx. Mike you mentioned Bob Aarons and anyone who's been at FUV Sports the last two decades the legend. Bob Aarons is always a popular topic of conversation and for good reason as well 
what was your experience like with Bob during your four years at Fordham and how much has he meant to you in your career? Cool. You know, if you say Bob Aarons, anyone who's been through the WFUV program, you immediately get the reaction that I gave you, which is a smile and a laugh because he's as unique a person that I've ever encountered in my entire life. He also has maybe the biggest heart of, of anyone that I've ever worked with in this business. When, I mean, I, I can only tell you how many times we'd be in a control room and he's listening to my play-by-play -play or the advice that he'd be willing to give me or my senior year when I was freaking out that I didn't have a job and my roommates all had things lined up that second semester. And he's like, oh, you know, in, in a Bob voice, you never know. You never know who's listening. You never know what's going to happen. And, and those types of things, you know, I, I think in life, everyone... I shouldn't say everyone, I was fortunate. And, and I think you guys would say the same because we had the resources, right? That, that were on that campus, but it's not just about the resources. You need people who care and Bob cared. He cared about what we were doing on air. He cared about what we were doing when we weren't in the studio, when we were doing shows. So I, there's no way uh, I'm in the position that I'm in right now without Bob. I, I mean, I, just the advice, uh, you know, over the years, always willing to help. I, I can't say enough good things about um, Bob and, and what he's meant to me in my career. Mike, you mentioned doing play-by-play -play at Fordham, something you still stay in the mix of now, and you started your career as a radio host, then went to TV host. How much of that versatility that we know Bob instills in his students has benefited you specifically in your career? Ooh, you know, I, I would imagine, and, and you'd have a good sense of this, Manuel, just because I know you've won awards for play-by-play -play and and I would imagine most of the guys on the staff, they want to be play-by-play -play guys. Is that sort of, and I shouldn't say guys, I use that term for both genders, but the females that are also on staff, like they want to be on air. Typically it's a lot of calling games. And, you know, I would be honest with you. I mean, that was definitely cool. And, and I loved it. And I love when I get an opportunity to do some of those types of events, but you know, the radio work doing one-on-one -on -one for me personally in my career was the game changer when when I graduated so Rich McLaughlin I don't know if you know you guys know Rich but Rich was a couple years older than me at Fordham and he had the Mets credential before I did you know I, you talk about Bob like I don't know if I have my jobs if it's not for Rich who you know I, I get to talk with you know friends on Facebook and we we message every once in a while but you know we haven't I haven't connected with him and, and I probably should and it's a good reminder after after we finish up this podcast but Rich had gotten a job at Sirius Radio at the time. We're on campus for homecoming. We're in the parking lot, hanging out, maybe playing some games and winning. And I, Rich says, what are you doing? And I said, you know, I just got hired by the small radio station in New Jersey to do high school sports, just do some reporting. And you guys know this, right? Like you're sending your tape. Actually, you guys don't send tapes. You send emails with links to your reels. But back in the day, there was like literally DVDs that I would put in the mail and send out to different radio stations and television stations. And Rich said, look, you know, I'm at Sirius Radio. I'm doing, you know, a lot of music. Um, and he got hooked up because of some of the relationships from, from Fordham, specifically at WFUV. Rich says, hey, get me your stuff. All right, fast forward, I, you know, I send him my tape, he gives it to the, um, the executive producer a couple days later, I'm in for an interview, and, I'm, and they hire me, and I'm doing this overnight update, and then fast forward, you're hosting multiple shows, you know, it, things fell into place for me in a big way, but I say that because Rich was working on a show at the time, and I ended up doing updates on that show, Rich got so busy with music, he said, look, I just don't have the bandwidth to host these shows anymore, 
that show at the time didn't have, you know, so we called it a host. I don't know if you guys still call that, but basically the point guard on the show. And I had done that for, you know, three years, basically doing one-on-one. So I understood, you know, what it was like to be a point guard on the show. And I love being a point guard. And, you know, they gave me an opportunity, like one show and no one had really said anything. And the next show came and I just started talking when we started the show and I wasn't just doing updates. And then fast forward, you get more and more opportunities, but it was, it was great. That versatility, you know, I always tell people this, if you can do radio, you can do television. If you can do TV, that doesn't mean you can do radio. And I think the ability to host those radio shows when I was in college was the game changer for me because I understood transitions, whether I knew that it was a transition or how to host or those skills. I'm not sure if I was fully aware of you know, some of the formatics of it and what those movements were kind of called. Um, I say movements like I'm an actual basketball player or something, but you know, things that are, that you're doing that you're not even aware of, right? Cause you guys are listening back to your shows and I would do that as well and just kind of critique myself and Hey, did that sound smooth? Did it not sound smooth? How do I get to point A to point B? How do I have a conversation with someone? Like we're, we're talking here guys, you know? And, you know, I used to have a set of questions when I would do one-on-one, but as I got older, I got more comfortable with the reps where I'd have an idea of where I wanted to go, but it was about listening and following up on, on some of those things. So um, that skill helped me big time when I got to NBA TV and then when I got to ESPN and then certainly, you know, almost the last 10 years at Pac-12 Network, it got to the point at Pac-12 where, you know, we just, last couple of years, just, I won't use prompter because I want the conversations that are happening in our, our green room or was happening because I don't work there anymore. Uh, it's still a little fresh and raw, guys. Um, you know, like you, you get to that point where it's like, hey, the conversations that we're having in the green room with our analysts, like that's what I wanted on our set. So it was more important to me to listen to them while we were watching the games and prompt them and sort of bookmark some of the things that we were we were discussing and then just do it on set for everyone who was watching. Mike, kind of bouncing around with your career a little bit, you worked at ESPN, you were an anchor there for about four years, like you mentioned. Sure. When everyone thinks of the sports media industry, the worldwide leader in sports always come up in ESPN. What was it like working there? Do you remember your first day working there? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me, man? It's, it was ESPN. Do I remember? I could tell you everything about my audition as well beforehand. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's really wild. It's, you're right. It's the worldwide leader. It's these great opportunities. And, you know, Jackson, I, I'd be lying if I told you that. <laughs> That experience, man, like that was, that's made my career. There, there's no other place on the planet that you get the reps that you get there. There's no place to go, but up and get better. So I'll give you a great example. Um, About a year after I had gotten hired. So I was working, you know, ESPN news shifts, you know, a little bit of sports center. I would do some basketball shows, some NBA shows. So you're doing a little bit of everything. But it was the first time I was doing television full time, like NBA TV, I was a freelancer and, and during the NBA season, I was working a ton, but it wasn't the same as ESPN. So you might go, you know, five days of your work week and you're doing, you know, three hour shows, three hour shifts on ESPN News or a three hour sports center on, um, on television. You can't, you only can get better. And I was there for a year. I didn't fully unpack. Um <laughs> And about a year after I was living in West Hartford, which is really close to, to Bristol in the studios, I'm unpacking a box and I see a DVD and it's a copy of my reel. So I throw it into the DVD player and I, Jackson, I couldn't believe the place even hired me. I couldn't get over <laughs> how bad I was in this reel. And it's just this growth. And you guys probably have, have seen it in, in your careers. Like if you listen back when you're putting together your radio reel, your senior year, like I always tell 
a lot of folks like, hey, just pile it up. Like, I don't know what system you use, but basically have that timeline. And as you get something better, you take something off and you put it back in, but you always have those files handy. And, you know, you're not using stuff from your sophomore year, you know, on your real when you graduate, because you're going to get better as, as time goes on. But those days at ESPN, those hours, the, the friendships that I made, it was, it was awesome. But you're put in situations that you'll, you just won't be put in at any other network. And it's, I won't say a training ground, but it, because, you know, at that point, it's kind of, it's, it's big time, but at that point, like you're just expected to, to be able to execute on those shows. And then you leave and you go someplace else. And there was nothing at Pac-12 network that was going to happen on that set that I hadn't experienced before. Hey, prompter goes down. All right, whatever. Like no big deal. Like you're just rocking and rolling. Hey, you know, my audition at Pac-12 network, I think part of the reason why I got the job, I had to, I had to read a highlight. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the shot sheet, but basically if you're doing, you know, a sports show, they give you a, a shot sheet that's got the situation description of the play and the result. And typically if you're doing sports center, you're, you're probably doing, you know, a three play 45 seconds, 30 seconds, a big game minute and a half, you know, a Super Bowl highlight might be, you know, three minutes or something like that. They gave me a, a highlight and a shot sheet. The damn thing was over five minutes long. And I mean, I had stuff, they told me what the game is going to be. So I had pages and pages on a notepad of notes. I had something ready the entire for like every single play, but I'm working with two analysts, Glenn Parker at the time, who was in on my audition and Curtis Conway, two guys that I've become great friends with. And we got, we finished the A block of the audition and I turn around and Glenn says to me, he's like, Hey, I don't want to jinx anything for you, but I just want to let you know, the guys who've auditioned, you're the only one who didn't have to stop down. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, but that goes back to, hey, I, I know how to call something off of a shot sheet, even if it is five minutes and I'm working with an analyst and it's easy to get lost. So the longest answer to your question, which I didn't even answer about my first day at ESPN in that first show, but yes, I remember everything about it. Um, Steve Berthium, who is now the voice of the Diamondbacks, um, his wife, Cindy Brunson, has been amazing to me over the years. Uh, but I worked with with Steve. They, they hook you up there when you first start, or at least they used to, where they'd give you a vet who could show you the ropes a little bit. And Steve was great. Dari Noka was amazing. Um, Steve Bunin certainly comes to mind. One of my best friends on the planet, Kevin Connors, who not only helped me professionally, but a couple years older, we were, you know, well, he's married now and he's got two kids, but we, you know, we would hang out and like that helped my transition, you know, on a personal level when I was in Connecticut. So so many great things, so many great memories. And I'm going to shut up and let you guys <laughs> ask another question. You mentioned how it's much easier to nail down TV once you're familiar with radio, but going from a radio job to a TV job can present its set of challenges. What was that like going from a host at Sirius to, to a host at ESPN and that process in the days leading up? You know, the, the transition was helped, Emmanuel, because I, I was double dipping. I was working at Sirius Radio at the time and NBA TV. And the only reason why I got the NBA TV job was because I was doing NBA radio. And at the time, this was before Turner had taken over NBA TV. They were based in Secaucus and the league ran the network in New Jersey. So they would use guys like Bruce Beck, Gary Apple, who I think, you know, the audience, whoever's listening to this podcast, probably Northeast and, and Bruce has been, I used to intern for Bruce and Gary, you know, actually you want to hear a crazy story. Gary, I never worked with professionally other than we would sometimes swap spots at NBA TV. Like he would host a show and then I would host the show after, but we didn't have a ton of crossover. You know, when I lost my gig and my contract wasn't renewed, Gary reaches out and 
he's like, hey, give me a call. And like, he gives me like the best pep talk in the history. You know, well, give me a great pep talk. And he didn't have to give me a pep talk because like, we, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like it was Bruce, right? Who I was his intern and, and Fran Charles, who's at MLB Network. Like we didn't even have like the solidified friendship, but it goes to show you just, you know, good people willing to help, um, you know, just people who are a little bit down. Um, but it was, it was awesome. Like that transition, like they had, they gave me a shot to audition because Gary and Bruce Beck and some of the other anchors were in Torino for the Olympics, because, you know, Olympic time, a lot of the, the local affiliates in New York, that's certainly going to happen. They send their sports people there. So they needed someone to do the fantasy show. And I had played fantasy when I was in high school in New Jersey at Berkeley Catholic and, um, realgm.com. It was on NBA's NBA.com's website. And it was like a link there. And, um, so I understood it. And, you know, Emmanuel, I basically like did radio shows on television. I didn't really know what the hell I was doing at the time. And that, that helped because when I got to ESPN, I wasn't coming from a local television background where I would do three minutes of sports. And then they were asking me to do three minutes of, of sports or three hours of sports center. So the volume I understood and I, cause I went from doing six hours of radio, hop to the from Midtown Manhattan, get into the car, drive to Secaucus, and I would do TV all night. Um, you know, so I understood what it was like to be in those situations. So the adjustment for me wasn't as hard because I, I, I understood volume. And then, you know, you get to Pac-12 and there's volume there because of the, the long days. And, and hopefully there's more of that at NFL Network for me. Mike, just from hearing you in your career and now these 20, 30 minutes, I could tell you like telling stories. And just, I want to go back to your time at Fordham. Is there a specific road trip or story of your time there, oh, yeah. whether it be with Bob, that really sticks out amongst the rest? Have you guys had Bogish on the show yet? Not yet, but Bogish, oh. of course, a Fordham staple. You got, you got to get Drew on the show. So Drew, Drew's a year older than me, of course. And uh, God, there's so many good stories now that I'm thinking about it. I got like Spiro <laughs> in my head, the Tony reality, reality and those guys. Tony actually was a senior in my freshman year. He was the sports manager. And I like, you didn't have to talk to freshmen. Like, you didn't know who the hell I was. And my first meeting, Tony comes up to me and he's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm you know, and it's, of course, Tony, who's still got the same, the bravado he's got now. He had that <laughs> when he was in school and this great aura, but he introduced himself so welcoming. I just, I mean, that goes back to that community of, of guys uh, from, from FUV, which is just, which is awesome. But one trip in particular, I'll never forget this. So Drew and I, he's calling games. Um, I'm his analyst. We go, we had a men's and women's basketball trip to St. Bonaventure. Oh my God. So we had to stay there a couple extra days because they didn't want to have us go back and forth. So it, it made sense. So Drew and I, what, you know, what's the hotel? Do you got, you probably stay at the same darn hotel that we stayed at. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's, you know, like, yeah. you know, motel six or whatever, whatever the, the, uh, the place is. And I'll never forget this. In fact, it actually popped up because I think Mike Watts had just like tweeted Drew about this and it, it like a Smush Parker highlight came up guys when I tell you like first of all Smush was was awesome as a basketball player I, we're, we're up in Olean New York Smush gave us the best dunk I had ever seen in person before okay he's coming down the line or coming down uh you know from midcourt finds like a second year dude takes off from one step inside the free throw line I swear to god guys when you're watching this live it will look like Smush is just just continuing to rise I swear he looked down at three defenders in the paint was like, yo, whatever turns around, reverse dunks on these dudes. Now, for anyone who doesn't know about St. Bonaventure, they, they got the monks up there, right? Like 
that's the religious order they're they got foul mouths man like they are cursing during games like it's stuff that you just wouldn't expect you know religious dudes to do they're doing that up there the crowd is crazy if you haven't been up there like their their arena it's like straight up are the stands everyone's going nuts you could have heard a damn pin drop after smush dunked on these three dudes he gets fouled missed the free throw besides the point but it was still awesome but you know all those road trips guys like i i remember like you guys i don't know if you know mike ratty or not we would get into these massive debates right like you'd be in a room you know it's not like we all had our own rooms right so you're all sharing rooms and just the debates middle of the night you know i remember mike telling us paul pierce is like the greatest celtic of all time and it's just like just these crazy sports debates that were going down but that that goes to like show you like that those friendships man like mike actually just reached out to me um you know the other day drew and i still talk drew's still one of my close friends and um i couldn't be happy for him happier for him and his success that he's been you know that he's been able to do now at cbs and it's awesome. I, I, I miss those days, but those friendships, I mean, you guys know, like you guys are both in Long Island. You both live five minutes from each other. You guys are going to be lifelong friends, whether you know it or not. Like my friends from college and my roommates, I and mean, we had a text thread that is, I mean, it is unbelievable. The stuff that gets said on these text threads with my old roommates from college and certainly the guys from, from FUV. So I, I'm jealous. Cause I, if I could flash back, you mentioned 2003, it's like, damn, I used to have a good time back then. <laughs> Times have certainly changed a little bit. So, but enjoy those moments. Mike, I want to leave you with this because you obviously have such a captivating story. You authored a piece back in February, how an undocumented immigrant may be the luckiest sportscaster in the world. Can you kind of elaborate on how much your family and your story, how much of an impact that's had on your career? Yeah. uh, You know, there was a time, guys, especially because we talked about my time at ESPN where it was stick to sports, right? Like you didn't see... Now we're in a climate where there's current athletes that are playing that have, you know, messages about social justice on their jerseys and their helmets and their uniforms and on the courts and and the whole thing, which is amazing. But there was a time when that just wasn't, you didn't do that stuff and you didn't talk politics when you were on air. And, you know, about a year or so ago, guys, I'm watching the news and I'm just seeing all these stories about these kids that are undocumented um, with their parents getting separated. And um, it was breaking my heart. Like, it, it's like a pretty messed up thing. And I'll use cleaner language because I know it's a podcast and I want to be inappropriate. But my God, it was like crushing me to see that. And like, even now, I mean, you're watching these debates or, you know, obviously Biden won, but like during the debates, I mean, it's like, what was it like 500 kids that said, you know, I can't even find their parents. Like that was killing me, man. Um, You know, and at that point, I don't really know exactly what had happened, but, you know, kind of internally, but I just sort of said to myself, like, my God, like, I don't know if I have the opportunities that I have right now had it not been for my grandfather who was undocumented and and from hong kong and um you know basically got a job as a sailor and you know when the ship was docking in baltimore didn't get back on the ship and you know there's like a real struggle he wasn't with you know my my dad and my aunts or my uncles my aunts and uncles when they were in hong kong he would send money back there and then eventually he saved up enough where he was able to to bring them to the States. And like, that's not even easy. You know, like, I wish I could tell you that, you know, my, my dad and my aunts and uncles had this great storybook ending where, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, Hey, we're, we're going to the United States and, and it's all going to be good. It's like, no, man, like there was a language issue. There was, you know, teachers that, that weren't supportive. Um, 
you know, my dad, I don't think had, you know, certainly didn't have the resources. He wasn't worried about, you know, the, the little league game that I got to go and play and the swim meets that I got to go and do. And of course I got to go to Fordham with great resources at FUV. Like that wasn't his path and it wasn't the path of my aunts and uncles, but I see like me and my cousins and some of the sacrifices that, you know, my, my grandparents and, and certainly my, my dad and, and my aunts and uncles were able to make. And I just think to myself, like, my God, like how lucky am I to be in this situation? And yet, that segment of the population had been vilified for a few years. Um, you know, undocumented immigrants, like they're not bad people. Like that's just not, there There are some, like I'm not denying that, but there's, you know, people that don't have what we have here in the States and are in desperate situations, you know, trying to escape poverty, safety issues as well for them. And, you know, to be honest with you, I just kind of wanted to humanize the story because I just think it's way easy to to watch news coverage and say, Oh, these people are really bad and they're criminals. It's like, no, just that's that's not accurate. That's not everyone. There's bad people, and there's bad people, by the way, that are are you know that are not undocumented immigrants. I mean, we've seen that as well. So I just think you got to take every case individually. And I just know how fortunate I've been in in my career, certainly, but just in life. I, I mean, my God, like you guys, you probably don't even realize how lucky you are just to be at Fordham. I mean, just you walk that campus and maybe you have an appreciation because you guys are doing virtual learning right now. But, yeah. you know, every time I've had an opportunity to be back on that campus and head down to, to Pugsley's and get, you know, a chicken roll. My God, I miss those days. Um, <laughs> you know, like it just it brings a smile to my face. And those are some of the best years of my life. Mike, appreciate a few minutes. Congrats again. Sure. and Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, you guys rock, man. I appreciate the invite. I always get excited when I see the uh, see the episodes post on my timeline on Twitter. So keep rocking it. And, and seriously, like best of luck to both of you guys moving on in your careers. A really fun chat with Mike Yam. Jackson, I, I think a really standout point was those road trips that we've heard from so many of our guests and how he's there with Andrew Bogish and Tony Reale and the heated sports debates that I'm sure we can attest to that really forged those lifelong friendships. Oh man. I mean, I can think of so many debates that we've had in hotel rooms, just about random stuff, even just our dorm rooms. I mean, email with, with me, you and Dom Capone, who has now since graduated. I mean, I'll never forget the arguments we'll have about the Boston Celtics. I mean, the list goes on and on about what we've talked about that it, it just hits home that even back in the early 2000s, this is what FUV guys have been doing and it's remained the same since then. And it will continue to hopefully remain that way going forward. But it was a great conversation with Mike. I mean, there's so many different stories about Smush Parker throwing down his first days at ESPN. What a great conversation. What a great guy. And I'm fortunate to have been able to do this with you as well. Absolutely, Jackson. If you want to hear more of these conversations, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can go to WFUVsports.org. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. For this week's episode of Off the Air and Jackson Heil, Emmanuel Barbari, we'll catch you next week.